0: This is The Animal House on Dubai Today with Suzanne Radford. Brought
1: to you by Royal Canon. Yes, the doors are open, and Dr. Lucinda Natras from DKC Veterinary Clinic and Todd Carson, Managing Partner of Dubai Kennels and Cattery, they're here to take your questions and your concerns when it comes to your pet or animals on 4001 or via our Messenger app. Download that on our website, or you can call us 044231010. 423 1010, whether it's to do with their health, diet, nutrition, or their boarding or relocation needs. Good morning to you all.
2: Good morning. Good morning.
1: Nice We've, to have you back. Thank you. <laughs>
2: Did you hear that third voice? I'm going to say yeah. we, got we got have a another one. voice
1: got here a little guest. Yeah. Well, we're going <laughs> to <Hello>, talk <everyone>. <laughs> <laughs> That is the voice of Sandra Pop who is Global Relocation Account Manager at Dubai Kennels and Cattery. And she's here today. She can talk about that of course if you've got any questions on that, but our topic today is on training and dog training and asking you whether you think a dog can be successfully trained without the direct involvement from the owner how's it going for you have you got a dog have they been trained did you train them how did it go or indeed if your dog has any issues with their behaviour I was saying earlier on the agenda my dog Shakespeare he seems to like to sort of gently but nevertheless headbutt or nosebutt other dogs Mm. Uh, and cats actually started on my Cat Molly as well the other day playfully, but it's very annoying. You can see other dogs really getting irritated by it. (laughs) I can imagine. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I I I I doubt that there's a solution to that problem. (laughs) (laughs) You could try headbutting him back. (laughs) Headbutting exactly.
1: He's one on his own, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to be talking about that in a little while. So it's great to have you here, Sandra. How did you get into dog training? Um, really
3: with, uh, the job mainly because I used to work as an animal handler as well at DKC. And, um, yeah, it just came over, over the first couple of years that I got more interested into training. And of course, when I got my first dog here, who, um had a few problem behaviors a few problems just a few oh my just gosh Sandra's dog Well what well they
4: he's a lovely crossbreed but wow he's famous yeah. yes
3: uh, he doesn't like vets very much which uh, explains why Lucinda doesn't really yeah. it's not very fond of him <laughs> <laughs> he can no, smell yeah. me a
4: mile off as well I tell you <laughs> yeah
3: he, he did have some problems with uh, aggression towards people as well especially if they were handling him um, so you know things that obviously had to be addressed and uh, I did get help from a trainer at the time. Um, Regrettably, she's not here in the country anymore, but she sort of became my mentor. And I, you know... I learned her training methods and then obviously started to uh, also venture out and you know do more research yeah, on we, my did own. A, we
2: did a, we did a little bit of time where she was uh, actually serving customers so uh, we ended up we ended up stopping that because she insisted on becoming an account manager for the <laughs> shipping department <laughs> so they, they we they very unhappy <laughs> anyway anyways, she knows all about that stuff so
1: so the kind of most common things that people go to a trainer for or have issues with when it comes to their dog would be possibly aggression or me- well uh, walking on a Lead, um. Yeah, it's,
3: it's quite a, a wide spectrum, really. You know, it, it starts off with uh, people adopting or getting new puppies. So, you know, house training issues, um, walking on the leash, you know, biting, especially if they have kids, you know, puppies have very sharp teeth and obviously they need to learn not to use them all the time. And um, yeah, that's that. That are the main main issues, and, and, I would say. And
2: headbutting, right? <laughs> yeah, headbutting. Yeah, it's yeah. Butting. We had quite butting. a big incident. Yeah, okay. He's <laughs> a funny
4: boy. Where's yeah. he got that from? Um, he's a vizsla. That's why. Is it? <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. yeah vizsla. Hungarian <laughs> vizsla. He, he misunderstood yeah. the pointing. Maybe you know yeah. the breed.
1: <laughs> 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 he's got the pointing, the nose, and the paw in the wrong yeah. way. Right. Okay. Well, you know, if you've got a dog and you've got, he's got some funny quirks, or she has, or indeed you're concerned, let us know. For and indeed if you've trained your dog how did you do that any tips we'd love to hear from you this morning and we'll get into that conversation in more detail in a little while but as always on the Animal House we've got our mystery animal competition coming up so listen out for three clues throughout the hour and uh, if you can guess our mystery animal this morning you'll go into the draw to win a two month supply of pet food thanks to Royal Cannon and as always we have our Animal News
0: Animal News
1: Yep. So we've been taking a look at some of the news stories out there, and uh, the one here, this is a local story. Injuries caused by animal attacks in Dubai increased by 39% uh, the, over th- all the news wires and also on social media. The Dubai Corporation for Ambulance Services reg- registered a total of 170 accidents caused by animal, animal attacks in 2014. Now, when we say animal attacks, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a vicious dog scenario. <laughs> yeah. um, it can be. That's the
2: first thing you think about. Course, it. Yeah, isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do talk about scorpions
1: <laughs> yes yeah, scorpions even snake actually yeah exactly yeah. yeah 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 so it can be it seems to be a lot when you're out in the desert mm. getting bitten by you know uh, an insect or reptile um, but of course there could be issues and they are using this and saying that the reason the increase is probably because there are more people having animals and adopting animals uh, but also be aware therefore the safety side so approaching somebody with a dog in the street mm. even if it's a domesticated animal it's on a leash it might seem really lovely you know if you're a stranger go with caution
2: yeah i mean i, I one of the things you just said which i really think is extremely important is that uh, those statistics don't uh, involve whether or not there's a growth in the population, right? So if there's a growth in the population of human beings plus a growth in the population of human beings who have pets, then you're going to see an increase in the number of, of so-called attacks, right? So I think it needs to be put into perspective to some extent.
1: No, it's fair comment. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, do you, I mean, are you seeing that increase in the sense of, you know, Dubai Kennels and Cattery has been going for many years, DKC Veterinary Clinic, you're open now in Motor City, have you seen an increase in an animal population, if you like?
2: I'll take a stab at that. Yeah, you can take a I'll stab. I'll take a stab at that. Mm. Um... I think I, I think there's no way for us to know for sure, uh, but but I can probably answer the question anecdotally. Um, you know, if you go back ten years ago, uh, there's been uh, there there were at that time a small handful of veterinary clinics, a small, uh, sm- handful of small handful what's that? Of and a well, small handful yeah. of kennels, and, and maybe only one or two companies that that did animal shipping. You know, uh, there was a massive explosion of these companies over the last ten years, particularly over the last I would say six seven years and it seems like you know every year we see another opening of one kind or another uh, pet related uh, business of some pet related business Mm. so uh and it appears uh interestingly that you know all of these businesses are remaining open and successful so it's it to me that suggests that that uh, either they're all doing a magnificent job and or there's an increase in the population so the demand is being taken up by the supply you know Mm. so that's the only way i can answer the question
4: and i would agree yeah Yeah,
1: I think it's interesting when I see, and I know I understand that if you're an animal lover, a pet lover, I mean, you uh, you've got Sandra. What, what? How many pets have you got?
3: Okay, that's. <laughs> 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 I knew it's going to be a list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have uh, three dogs of our own and four cats but we do have the occasional foster dog as well. Mm. At the moment, uh, it's a mother with her 11 puppies, so the house is full. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> can, can I just
2: add by the way that Sandra is uh, one of the uh, one or two people responsible for one of the charity organizations in Dubai called DAWS. What does that stand for again?
3: It's a Dubai Animal Welfare Society. Yeah.
2: So so she basically does nothing but deal with animals in one way or another 24 fabulous. hours a day.
1: Fabulous. That's fabulous. A true yeah. yeah. yeah that's I love in that way. <laughs> no surprise then obviously you're going to have a lot of pets and you're looking and caring for animals you work in that business and clearly you know when you're working for the charity as well Uh, but you know generally speaking people that are animal lovers they may you know I'm just imagining if I was in my home country I would have pets but I don't think I'd have four I've Mm. got four Mm. and I don't know why or how that's happened but it's something Mm. to do with me living as an expatriate I don't know because Mm. it's not it's expensive Mm. to have a pet here I mean really is I mean I was looking at you know the prices comparing to the UK is a big difference mm-hmm. uh, so but I d- so what I'm getting at is I wonder as well in that people who would maybe have one dog have got two dogs and mm. for some reason it's to do with living here and maybe that's why I, I, I don't know do
2: you think do you you guys think that, that there's more people with more larger families of pets at home than in other countries I, I don't know no, I, have no necessarily
4: idea. I, no. I, I had more pits when I was living in South Africa because mm. yeah. I had more space right yeah so
2: you were living on a larger plot of yeah, the land yeah um,
4: I mean hmm. you know had lots and lots of pits yeah, yeah we just got the two naked cats as we call mm, them Yeah. because you know we live in an <laughs> apartment lovely, so <laughs> I think I think that uh, m- I mean maybe if I if I had, oh, lived in a, in a house a villa with a garden I might have more pets but
1: yeah so I don't over know over
2: my dead body <laughs> <laughs> oh, <okay>.
1: well, <laughs> your thoughts let us know have you got more pets here that you think than you would have in your home country uh, let us know your thoughts on 4001 zero zero and another story here a uh, deadly new virus that transfers to humans from squirrels kills three breeders scratched by the animal. This is in Germany. Now, squirrels, we don't really have squirrels here in the UAE. No, we yeah. don't actually. Yeah. No. Um, but it made me think, looking at this story, uh, what can we catch from pets or animals here in the Emirates? Domesticated pets. I mean, things we need to be aware of, concerned of. Uh, you know, there's not too much really. Uh, it's...
4: Basically, parasitic diseases. So things like uh, fungal infections, or what we know as ringworm, Mm. you can get that from cats or dogs that are infected with it. But having said that, ringworm is quite ubiquitous in the environment anyway. Yeah, you know the the spores are Mm. sitting in the sand. You often get them in children's playgrounds. You get catch it at the beach. You know, it's not just specifically pet related um obviously ticks and fleas and those kind of things certain um itchy mites you can share with a dog or a cat but um in terms of really bad disease i mean this article talking about the squirrel is quite scary i mean they haven't actually made all the proper connections yet but that's some new strain of virus you know it's a little bit scary like swine flu or bird flu you know but in terms of uh, here in dubai um I wouldn't I wouldn't be overly concerned. You know, rabies is something everybody worries about. We vaccinated against it, but there's no there's no proven cases of it here. It's not like something that you know, from South Africa we really worry about rabies in human beings. But if, if, you're you're bi- I wouldn't if, if yeah. you were to get worry. If you
1: were to get you know, a bite or a scratch. No, a bite really. say a bite from a street cat mm. <coughs> excuse me. You
4: definitely need to get it seen right. because they have a very heavy bacterial load in their mouth. Cat bites are Always nasty. Every cat bout I've had has always ended up being. Infected and needing antibiotics, so you definitely need to get it seen. You but need to get it properly it, no. cleaned. That's the most important but thing. But it's not really
2: for the reason that that like it's not zoonotic in the sense no. that we're talking no, no, about. No, 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 and and, and, and like it's that. certainly it's not
4: you know it's not yeah. rabies or anything like that you mm. need to worry about. It's mm. just actually the infection. Mm. So cleaning a bite thoroughly is the first step, very important, and then more than likely you will need antibiotics if it's a cat or a dog bite yeah, and I they mean puncture I the skin.
2: Yeah, I mean at, the, at at the kennels and the cattery over the years. Uh, you know, obviously you can't be working with so many animals all the time without staff getting occasionally bitten or scratched and um you know inevit almost inevitably when, when one of the staff get bitten by a cat it turns into a pretty unpleasant experience you yeah, know the, the I've air, had that, air, that myself the yeah, so area really is, it gets painful. very very sore and yeah. painful and swells a lot and uh, yeah. yeah so get
1: it checked out and get yeah, it cleaned definitely yeah. yes <laughs> well more to talk about on this story and more when we come back and also looking at training dog training uh, is this something you're considering you're going through at the moment or indeed you're concerned about with your dog's behavior let us know on 4001 and when we come back we'll give you the first clue to our mystery animal competition
0: Call the show with your question 044231010 1010 or SMS 4001 or interact via our smartphone app
1: What's the animal? So clue number one to what's the animal competition to win a two month supply of pet food thanks to Royal Canin and Dr. Lucinda Natras from DKC Veterinary Clinic is our keeper of the clues today Okay,
4: clue number one. This animal varies greatly in size. The smallest, Geragua sphero, is tiny, just under two centimeters in length. However, some species can grow up to 60 centimeters. The largest ever discovered, the Kawekawo from New Zealand, is sadly now extinct. Bravo. Well, well done.
1: done. Jeez, that was a mouthful.
2: you <laughs> are <laughs> all waiting in anticipation for her to get that word, right?
1: <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, well, if you think you know what that animal is, let us know with your name to 4001 to go into the draw, and there's a couple of more clues coming up over the next 40 minutes or so. Todd Carson's here as always in the Animal House. He is uh, managing partner of Dubai Kennels and Cattery. Along with one of his colleagues, he's brought in uh, Sandra this morning, morning, Sandra Pop, who's global relocation account manager or gram as they're called down there <laughs> uh, but she's joined <laughs> us st- st- <laughs> she's, <gonna> stick,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> she's joined us this morning because she uh, has a passion for training dogs and she's done so in the past and that's what our main topic is this morning uh, and texts are coming in about issues to do with training so let us know your story on those numbers there's also a, co- uh, a comment here from joy uh, joy contacted us yesterday as well and she just wanted to say i love the show please warn our owners not to let their cats onto balconies um, it's a good point yeah we talked a few weeks ago about the heat and the weather and being aware of your pets but uh, yeah if you've, if you've got a pet you've got on a balcony be conscious of uh, leaving them outside
2: well, I agree with definitely be aware, but I don't necessarily agree with the conclusion. Our, our own cats are a very well, good example, eh?
4: Yeah. It's a, I, th- I think what Joy's is trying to I don't think she's really referring to the heat necessarily. No, no, no. I think she's worried about the cats falling over. Oh, okay. Over. Yes, yeah,
2: all right. that's the balcony. Was, but that's what I was yes, going to say. Yes, I know, exactly. but
4: our, you know. having said that, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's a difficult call that because a lot of cats, especially when they're younger, mm. and if they do Dubai-related cats, they often got lots of energy and they like to race around and play. Mm. And they literally conform. Off the balcony, just skidding and you know, going mm-hmm. through the bars. So, they can go on a balcony if you make sure your balcony is secure. Um, a lot of balconies have a solid barrier. And I think that's fine, especially if you put a deterrent on the top so they don't jump up and then fall mm, over. Mm. Our, our cats are middle-aged. they of a temperament that is completely laid back. They would never ever, ever go over the, the balcony. So, you know, saying that you, it's okay to do it, I think you actually have to be cat-specific. I wasn't going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, they can live quite happily on the balcony,
2: well, I fine. Was, but I was going to say do something see else. We do We're going to have a fight when we no, go No, we, we do
4: see the cats talking on the balcony are married, <laughs> in case you don't know.
1: But you probably picked up on that I, I, by was,
2: now. I was I was going <laughs> To in fact say everything that she just said, and um, I want to stress that it's really good to be aware of it, but that it's not necessarily true that they can't go on the balcony. And I think you need to assess your cats, assess your balcony. There's a way of securing your balcony if you wish, um, and and those kinds of things. And also, by the way, with regard to heat, uh, the cats love the heat. And mm, as yeah. long as they have a way to get in and out when they want to, with water available, they're fine. So uh, th- it's not necessarily a no. It just yeah. sh- it just should be aware yeah. of it.
4: But it is quite devastating when they do fall off the balcony. Of course. Yeah. yeah, of course. We see, we see that that that, that high-rise syndrome injury is quite common in Dubai.
1: And I think that's the thing to remember that mm. you can you've got buildings going up so high now, yeah. and if you've got a pet up on that level, then mm. yeah, you need something to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting, you mentioned that actually, Todd, about cats love the heat, mm. and I think I've been freezing my cats you know like ah. yeah yeah i was just thinking oh you know make sure the ac's on ah. and actually i realized that they don't need that ac on no, all the and, time and
2: you know at our cattery uh, you know when we're busy we have up to maybe 80 or 90 cats and every enclosure has both an indoor and an outdoor portion so if they want to be in the cool they can be you you can't imagine how many of the cats choose to be outside even in the middle of the hottest yeah. day because they just love the warmth mm. they love the heat mm.
1: That's true. do you agree with that sandra oh, yeah. Ca- yeah, yeah. I, I always wonder where they go you know they must burrow down though during the really midday heat and uh you mean if they're like left
3: outside uh, yeah or well, no yeah.
2: i don't th- i don't think they like to be in the direct sun no, they no. Like shade be yeah. Yeah. yeah they would they
3: would like you know look for a shady place to just you know rest and but otherwise i don't think they're like um bothered as much as dogs are by mm. the heat for example yeah, so they can that. certainly you know um take a bit more of that
1: Mm. But it's certainly a different story for dogs. I walked my dog last night. I, walked, I didn't think it was that bad. And he really was mm. panting like the tongue out the side of the mouth, panting. Mm-hmm. You know, only a couple of blocks that we walked. So you do really good, need the to humidity's cons- hacked yeah. up recently. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that really, really affects the ability to cool themselves. Yeah.
2: Do you bring some water with you when you go for a walk?
1: I do if I'm doing a longer walk. I actually thought that would be okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good it's point. It's surprising, isn't it yeah. Eh? it? yeah. It
2: just can happen so fast. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. No, it's a good point, though. Take mm. water with you. Well, keep your questions and your comments. And your stories coming in on four zero zero one, and uh, just want to squeeze uh, a new story in here. It's a you know. If it's of interest to you, this is a big story. I'm not going to go into all the details. It needs a lot more time to do that. But if you're from the United Kingdom like me, you'll be aware possibly that hunting was banned. Uh, this is fox hunting ten years ago, and there's a heaps of debates going on and uh, discussions. And there's going to be a big governmental debate this coming Wednesday uh, with the new government and looking at now. The fear is that the ban is going to be lifted and that people you're on horseback. If you're not aware of fox hunting in the UK you know it's about they basically following the scent of the fox chasing the, uh, the fox on horseback with dogs with a pack of dogs and then if the dogs get the fox they will you know kill the fox, and that's part of that's this and they call it a sport. And you know either side of the fence that you may or may not stand on. With this, it's still a story that's happening currently this week. And the fear is that the ban will be lifted. Uh, people are saying, the government is saying, spokespeople are saying that that's not necessarily the case. It's about amending the rules and uh, and it's about the number of dogs and the number of hunts and things like that. So uh, yeah, it's a story. It's out there at the moment. If you want to share your thoughts on fox hunting, do you? with it? Do you disagree with it? Should we be concerned about it? Should the ban uh, continue, or should that ban be lifted? Let us know your thoughts on four zero zero one. Um, you made a good point, actually, Todd, earlier uh, regarding another story out there at the moment. With uh, just to share that with us. Well,
2: we were just to, because we were talking before we went on air. Uh, one of the news stories we were looking at is that the EU has just uh, has just completely banned the import of uh, poached animal tusks, uh, elephant tusks. it, it had been In a a cap at 100 imports a year from uh, three countries I think Tanzania, Mozambique I I can't remember which countries now anyways it just seemed it just seemed an odd juxtaposition that while the EU was getting tougher on bringing tusks in from poached uh, elephants uh, the UK was now uh, starting to consider lightening up on the chasing down of foxes and having them hunted and killed so I just thought that was interesting
1: Well, the 90-minute debate will happen on Wednesday. It's expected to focus on amending rather than uh, repealing the 2004 Hunting Act. The Pro-Hunt Countryside Alliance say the amendments will enable farmers and gamekeepers to make a judgment based on the terrain and other circumstances to use more than two dogs to flush out and stalk uh, uh, wild animals for effective and humane shooting. Um, Animal rights groups like the League Against Cruel Sports believe the amendment is a cynical attempt to bring back the widespread return of blood sports across Britain. That's the story. More to come. Stay with us.
0: This is The Animal House on Dubai
1: Today with Suzanne Radford. Brought to you by Royal Canon. And we've got the guys from DKC Veterinary Clinic here, Dr. Lucinda Natras and Todd Carson, who's managing partner of Dubai Kennels and Cattery, along with Sandra Pop, who's a global relocation account manager at Dubai Kennels and Cattery. And we're talking about training your dogs. Uh, let us know how it's going for you. If you've got any tips to share on training your pooch, let us know on 4001. And we've got another clue to our What's the Animal competition today. Okay, most What's species the animal. Sorry, clue number 2. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Off you go. And
4: now the clue. Most species are nocturnal. And if they are defending themselves, most species can lose their tails. The scientific name for this is autotomy, which is from the Greek for self-amputation. Many people think that this mystery animal loses its tail as that is the part most likely to be grabbed by a predator. While it may be the most obvious target, the reality is that when this animal sheds its tail, it continues to wriggle about. This hopefully is enough of a distraction that it can escape the predator that wants to make it their lunch.
1: If you think you know what this animal is, let us know on 4001 to go into the drawing. You could win a two-month supply of pet food thanks to Royal Tannin. Now, Sandra, we've had a question come in from Marco. Good morning to you, Marco. We've just been speaking to him on the phone, and it's regarding his dog, Molly, lab mix. She's three years old, and he's also got Rosie, who's a Saluki and seven years of age. Now, Rosie's a good dog, and Molly, well, they're both good dogs. They're both rescue dogs. They're both good dogs. They're, good dogs. they're well-behaved they socialize well and they're great with children but molly has a problem when out going out for a walk on a leash she will go for other dogs and even got one dog by the neck so how to avoid this how to manage this situation
3: well, sounds like Molly is uh, leash reactive Which really isn't uncommon at all uh, The leash can create frustration So when they're out and about on a walk um, And she sees other dogs and wants to get there You know, the leash holds her back Which frustrates her And, um, you know, it can be quite tricky To actually, um, you know Solve this kind of, of uh, behavioral issue um, You know, most people start to avoid other dogs Which um, really is just a quick fix for now Because, you um, you know, obviously, not seeing other dogs will not uh, trigger her reaction, but um, at least you're also not setting up for failure, which is good. But um, with regards to training, it's really um, probably uh, a, a longer process, and basically trying to counter train her not to react in certain situations which means you really need to find the point you know the the distance to another dog where she starts reacting and trying to sort of uh, snap her out of it before she gets to the level where you cannot do that anymore
1: so it sounds like you know you probably needs some professional work with uh, with with her which is one of the yeah. things we're asking at the beginning about uh, you know Can somebody that's not the owner of the dog, that doesn't have that relationship with the dog, train your dog effectively? Clearly that can. You've done it. It happens. um, But it's about understanding how to train a dog properly. That's correct. But um, I usually used to
3: refer to our dog training that we offered at DKC to dog owner training, actually, because it really, really involves Um, the handler or the owner of the dog, um, you know, in certain situations, it can be beneficial to take the dog out of the um, home environment or comfort zone to address certain um, issues. But most of the time, on a day-by-day basis, you know the the normal problems. Let's say it's really important that you know the people who are living with the dog know how to address it, and mm. that involves everyone in the family. In, in you know, mm. it's it's really important that everyone is on board and being consistent with what is agreed on.
2: I, I, Sandra can correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but most of the time the problem with dog behavior, not all the time, but most of the time, is actually about the lack of awareness and skills on the part of the owner or the handler of the and dog. And I will,
3: I will, I'll agree with You'd that. You'd agree with yes. that, yeah.
2: So, uh, so th- you know, of course there are some issues, which Sandra would know better than I, that, that really are separate from the skills or lack of skill of the handler, but most of them relate to the handler's skills. And so the, the idea then of doing training with... With the dog without the owner involved is really shifting the responsibility over to the dog, which is actually not the issue at, at mm. all. It's in fact the skills of the handler. Mm. It's, um,
4: it's quite interesting for me. I, I find that this whole idea of getting your dog trained by someone else. I've only ever come across it here in Dubai. You know, where I'm from in South Africa, you always went to dog training with your dog and you you, you went through the process together and you learned together because it's all about solidifying the bond, understanding the relationship, figuring it out. And when I came to Dubai and and I I noticed that people used to send their dog away for training and the dog would literally leave the house for two months and go to a facility. And I just found it completely bizarre. And I think it does reflect also, there is a bit of a disconnect with a lot of people with their pets here. Mm. You know, they kind of, think, well, it can go away for grooming, it can go away for training, and it'll come back sort of like the perfect ideal pet. Mm. And I think they're missing a major point. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, about the journey yeah. you go on yes, with the your relationship, pet your yeah. relationship.
1: It,
2: it, it might be a little bit symptomatic of life as an expat. <laughs> Maybe. I, yeah. Yeah. Because we kind of get disconnected from a lot of stuff here, don't we?
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, it does sound very convenient to give your dog away, get mm. the basic training, then get him or her back and, you know, just have a manual of commands, basically. Mm. Mm. But it's, it's usually not the way it works. I mean, to a certain extent, it might. But it's really about, as Lucinda said, about the relationship with your dog, you know, mm. bonding experience. Mm. So doing the training together is really crucial, I mm. think.
1: Coming back around to Marco with his dog, Molly, and just, you know, some of the possibles around this situation. She's three years of age. Uh, she's a rescued dog. So, you know, I don't know what age that Marco adopted her. But, you know, maybe something happened to her when she was a younger dog, maybe Maybe that could be why she's like that. Would it make a difference? I don't know if he's walking Rosie and Molly together, but could she be if they're being walked together? Is she being protective of the other dog possibly in having, uh, you know, looking out and attacking other dogs? That's a good question.
3: It is a good question it's possible but um what what I found over the years it's mostly that dogs are becoming more um protective of their owner mm. so Molly might be absolutely fine in an environment where she's maybe off leash or if she's like going to daycare or a, a boarding facility and she's um, you know socializing with other dogs with her own uh, with her owner not around So um, it's it's again It's the leash Which is like it, it is sort of a connection Between you know Human being and dog mm. And um, you know She might feel uh, The need of uh, Being more protective While she is on leash Out on the walk Whether that's the owner Or the other dog You know That's really hard to say now mm. But um, you know It could be both could be the reason.
1: And I know it can be a long process. You need to be very patient whilst trying to break this this bad habit. But uh, give us an idea of what that involves with regards to the lead and the owner with their dog. Well, um, I would be very careful here with like quick fix things.
3: You yeah. know? Um, usually training or basically trying to address such a behavioral issue takes time and patience. So um, I, I personally would recommend um, to use positive reinforcement. So you know take um, take treats with you on the walk and reward Molly whenever she's calm especially if she if there's another dog in in the area that's maybe inside or you know already a bit closer whenever she stays calm around other dogs and being on the leash to reward her um, and trying to really um, find out where the point is where she would start reacting And as soon as you see signs of her being uncomfortable or getting into that, you know, reactive um, situation to basically turn away and walk away from the other dog and then again when she's calm again to praise her but not actually to let her get into this um, you know wanting to basically go for the other dog mm-hmm.
1: well Marco's just text to say good point about w- what might have happened to her when she was younger we found her at two months and she had a piece of her tongue missing oh, dear. Um, and it may be that she'd been in a fight when she was very very young and been attacked by mm-hmm. another dog what kind of Maybe. what kind
2: of time frame do you think Sandra I mean, I mean I know it's almost an impossible question to answer but not not a week to solve this problem, right?
3: No. And, I mean, it, it requires daily work, and I would say at least a couple of weeks. So, you say, like mm-hmm. six to eight weeks, right. well, What about
4: yeah. um, um, distraction techniques? I, I mean, I, I don't know much about training at all, but I have, I have seen um, one or two dogs that have come into the clinic, actually. And I've been a bit surprised to see that they've had like a, a tin of coins, and the minute the dog barked, they'd rattle the tin of coins, and the, and the dog stops. I mean, n- not not scarily rattled. It's almost like a they, yeah, they use a the distraction. But it's still something
3: unpleasant, really. You know the yeah. noise. So I'm not too sure whether that's the right way to address it. Uh, could be. But um, for but me. It's not you know, something you'd suggest for this. Uh, no. Because okay. it's already a situation that, you know, could easily get out of hand. I don't know if, if a ha- handling of like some, some distraction like that is actually, you know, the right way. But um, with regards to rewarding a dog, you know, that's that's different. Every dog is different in that way. For for one it might be a food reward, for another one it's a toy. So you need to find what really you know is a high value treat for your dog whether that's food or something else really is you know depends mm. on the individual dog. And
1: lots and lots and lots of patience and lots and lots of positive reinforcement Cause, cause when she's good no. Some
4: dogs don't want food do they? They're not no, treat driven. Yeah, and
3: when they get into a stressful situation they actually would not take food yeah. or a treat I
4: see that in my consult yeah. room a lot What about, what about,
2: what about <laughs> a, 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 a well controlled socializing experience so that they're around other dogs but there's a constant training process going on during that? It would what certainly
3: what be, you know, the next step hmm. um, to, to bring Molly into situations where there are other dogs around, hmm. um, but obviously, you know, uh, still a way to get her out of situations if yeah. she gets um you know into Do we that have time
2: into that level. Uh, one you know w- sorry i om- i almost uh, interrupted you there it's just okay. one of the one of the concerns is that uh for me is that um generally in this industry in this- cu- in this country i don't know actually what it's like in other countries but there there's there are a lot of boarding and daycare facilities in this country that have uh, a fundamental policy of vetting dogs before they will allow them to become part of their communities uh and they generally and that's for boarding and daycare and they generally uh n- not all of them but many of them they they seem to take the position that if a dog is in some way a potential risk or threat or even perhaps difficult that they don't take them. So one of the difficulties with that is that if you're a dog owner that for example needs boarding but but you know you have a problem dog, it can be very hard to find a company to serve you. Um, and if you want to do something like what we're talking about now, which is why I brought it up, where maybe a controlled training environment in a socialized experience, which might be a solution for some, d- it might be very hard to find a facility or yeah, an organization that does that. that's that But that's willing kind of ideal, on, isn't yeah? it? Yeah,
1: because it's, it's two solutions in one almost. Yeah, 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 so,
2: yeah. so so I mean, th- those organizations do exist, uh, but, but you have to look for them. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah. What's the animal? Well, squeeze in another clue to our What's the Animal competition. Uh, Dr. Lucinda is keeper of the clues this morning. If you think you know what this animal is, then text in with your name to 4001 and you could win a two-month supply of pet food thanks to Royal Canin. In warm
4: regions of the world, the arrival of this animal into the home is greeted as a sign of good luck as they can help rid the house of unwelcome insects. They love a bit of mosquito for supper.
1: If you think you know what this animal is, let us know 4001.
0: Call the show with your question 044231010 or SMS 4001 or interact via our smartphone app. The Animal House on Dubai today in association with Royal Canon. The animal before the owner
1: and the floodgates have opened of mystery animals coming in, many correct answers. I'm afraid it's, Mohammed, it's not a cricket, though. <laughs> um, and the answer is not lizard, but close. But yeah, fantastic. We'll be drawing a winner in just a few moments' time. Um, but talking about um, training and dog training specifically, we really should t- touch on puppy training.
3: Yes. I mean, it's uh, usually very exciting to bring a puppy into the house now, whether that's adopted or, you know, maybe um, got from a shop here. But, um, you know, obviously people think they're prepared, but then the puppy comes home and sort of everything <laughs> breaks loose. It's, um, you know, often um, when people actually get in touch with trainers once the puppy is already there. So... Um, I would recommend for everyone who is maybe um, thinking about or planning to bring a puppy home to get, um, you know, ideas about training and um, maybe professional help even beforehand before a puppy comes home.
1: Things to consider when having a puppy because, again, you know, what happens in those first few months, it could be indicative of how that puppy's going to be when it becomes a fully grown dog so and if you've never had a dog before, um uh, people might be a little bit unsure like you say you can get professional help but the basics the basics of puppy training
3: uh basics of course being consistent patience you know, and uh, being able to invest a fair amount of time you know if you're if you're out working six to eight hours, of course that's not very beneficial for having a puppy at home um there are things like toilet training which need to be tackled um but other than that, you know, just just really being patient with, with puppies. They all learn on, on different levels, depending on their age as well. And, um,
1: and yeah. the things that we're going to be teaching them, yeah, is the training at home when it comes to you know, toilet training. Um, so you maybe start with, uh, you know, that newspaper down on the floor. and Yeah,
3: that or what, what I um, personally prefer is actually crate training. So um, that's a way to keep your puppy safe as well as your house. (laughs) So um, you know, it it just um, encourages the 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 puppy to keep a small area clean, whether that's a crate or maybe a spare bathroom or you know a section of the house that is closed off. It's it's absolutely fine. And they feel Um, secure,
1: don't they? They like it. They like to have that. Yes.
3: So um, and then obviously bringing the puppy out every couple of hours for toilet training rewarding the puppy when they do their business outside you yeah. know yeah, these and are the yeah. things.
2: R-
4: repetition repetitions yeah, exactly just, just,
2: just two things on that the crate training is really good uh, because uh, they they have a natural tendency to not want to soil their own space right so you give them a small space and they're, they'll they be more inclined to try to wait till they get out of that space it won't always work certainly at the beginning but another real uh, unthought of benefit is that in the later years when you travel if you travel uh, you don't have to worry about the trauma your dog might experience having to go into the crate, because mm. he considers that crate his home now.
1: Mm. So. Or even putting them into a carrier to take yeah. them to the vet. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And
4: um, I just with, with puppies, it's always, you know, whenever they wake up when, and whenever they've eaten, you need to take them out. Yes. Because yes. that's when they naturally mm. are going to want a toilet. So mm. it's but really it's just, it, just repetition you know. all the time. But all of it
2: is about presence and consistency. Exactly. And, yeah. and, yeah. Yeah. Yes. and that's yeah. the difficult part, because you want to have a puppy, right? But you're not always in a position to go through those first many weeks of actually being there all the time and, uh, you know, you're working, whatever, and, and unfortunately you're losing an important opportunity because that's really what it requires. And yeah. the
1: bonding time. Exactly. So the, the toilet training, uh, yes, as you mentioned earlier, they might want to climb up or bite or scratch, you know, so you might get issues there. So, again, just lots of positive reinforcement. With puppies, there's no need to be, well, there shouldn't ever be any need with any dog to raise your voice or to get rough with it or, you know, it's just positive reinforcement and exactly
3: also like getting them used to their own toys so if if you have quite a nippy puppy at home you know offering them things that are appropriate for them to chew on um, such as toys and and you know some chewy treats and things like that so that helps sometimes just to distract them and not uh, wanting to you know bite you in the ankles all the time it's nip your (laughs) ankles
1: and uh, you, you can't take them outside dr lucinda until they've been fully vaccinated when is that
4: well yeah that's it's a, a good question um yeah basically ov- obviously you, you you have your own if you have a garden that's their own environment so they can go out there but um i wouldn't you know expose them to more than that until they've at least 2 weeks Two weeks after their second set of vaccines, if you want to be absolutely safe. Um, Some puppies get three sets of vaccines. It all depends on what age the vaccinations are started at. Um, So whatever your vet is advising you in terms of vaccinations, uh, I would wait a minimum of two weeks after the second set before you actually really start going out into the big wide world because you know one of the very bad diseases that we see in Dubai unfortunately lives for a long time in the environment so it's Mm. better to have those vaccines done because if if, you know he or she contracts that it's quite Mm. not Mm. not
1: something you want to go through. And then when it comes to walking road training on the lead on the leash uh, with a puppy uh, we've sort of touched on it I guess a little bit when we're talking about Marco's dog Molly but at the beginning with a puppy um, keeping them safe and not walking them too far but they do need to get their bones and their limbs moving don't they? that helps with their growth so
3: that's right yes and
1: also I mean
3: I wouldn't expect too much of the puppy at first you know um, people tend to like um, you know have quite high expectations for young puppies to walk perfectly on the leash but it's really something they need to be taught and that also takes a bit of time and you know some dogs can be more difficult than others with that so um really patience again patience and consistency
1: and uh, you know, sit is the one, isn't it? Getting your it dog is. to sit for you is the kind of you know the basics, but it's the consistent one that's con- you know that I mean, even today, my dog's nine and a half. I just look at him and go sit, and he does. And it's such a nice thing, you know. It to is have a nice thing, and it can
3: be a safer at times, yeah. you know, because if your dog sits, for example, it cannot jump up at people. Let's say, you know, um, if a dog sits, they they're like they're doing something. They're already sitting, so it gives them you know no opportunity to do something else and yeah on that
1: uh, it's a good discipline isn't it and it is about in a very healthy good way uh training your dog is about discipline they're pack animals you're the leader of the pack you're the head of the pack that's how it should be and they want that they want to look to you for the guidance and the leadership and so it's being able to have that connection and training
3: yes definitely guidance and leadership um wouldn't agree a hundred percent with the with the pack animal theory um there are social animals and they do live in social groups but they're not wolves mm-hmm. they're they've been domesticated over like many thousands of years now so um, we need to look at them a little bit different um, but definitely of course guidance and leadership is required if mm-hmm. you have one or more than uh, one I dog I think in people the
2: house. tend to use the word pack um because they feel it means that they're social animals, but there is a real difference, and we we should probably stay away from the word pack, because socialize or social animals uh, does a better job of bringing home what it is that's actually going Mm, on. That's
3: true, yes.
1: But uh, it's a good, and we'll continue the conversation maybe next week, but it's a good point, Todd, I suppose, with the idea and sense of pack is that, you know, where people maybe let their dog... Rule and lead them. Yes. it's about understanding that actually it's mm. okay for you to be the one that yeah. is is yes, in, with authority. Yeah. And it, it's must important. It's, it must it's be. Really yeah, must be. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah really great interesting conversation lovely meeting you Sandra thank you very much for your insights thank this you very morning much for having me. thank you and the conversation does continue online um, the guys from DKC Veterinary Clinic and Dubai Kennels and Cattery very kindly contribute to the website the Animal House uh, page on the Dubai Today page throughout the week so if you've got any questions you can connect with us via there and also all the contact details for uh, Todd and Lucinda are po- posted up on that page and the first in, in- of your Moment Minutes
2: movies. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you for mentioning. <laughs> yeah, we're just doing a little thing at the clinic. You know, uh, I, I really like to I really like to talk about pet care in a real way. You know, the industry often flowers it all up, and I really like to talk about it in a real way. So we've started taking home movies at the clinic of real things that are happening in the clinic, and we've posted up uh, a new web page on our site called A Moment in the Life of, Ve- of a Veterinary Clinic. And every Sunday, we're going to post a little video, anywhere from 30 seconds to a couple of minutes, about real things that happen at a clinic. Fantastic. We, you know, consults and vaccinations and whatever.
1: There you go. And the winner of our mystery animal competition today. Congratulations, Marco. It was indeed gecko. It wasn't a cat, Joan. Sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry to all the people that texted in lizard um, and to Harina, who said it was a frog. No, it was the gecko. So, Marco, you get the two-month supply of pet food, thanks to Royal cat. Cannon. Thanks to Dr. Lucinda Natras from DKC Veterinary Clinic and Todd Carson, Managing Partner of Dubai Kennels and Cattery, along with Sandra Pop, who's the Global Relocation Account Manager. We'll see you again next week. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. I'll be back with you tomorrow from 10 a.m. Have a great day.
0: This is the Animal House on Dubai Today with Suzanne Radford, brought to you by Royal Canon.